0: Tuesday, November 30th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. With me today, the one and only Asa Sharma. Thanks for being here. Chris, I'm surprised you keep having me back, but I'm definitely glad to be here. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We've got Cyber Monday's report card. We have a question about meta platforms, but we should probably start with the word that everyone has learned in the past week, and that is Omicron. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. This is the new uh, variant. Uh, of COVID. and You and I were chatting this morning, This, we are at the point, and I say we collectively, the investing community, we're at that point where nobody's really sure what's going on, but everyone is trying to figure out what this means. Um, it, it, we've got scientists saying, give us a couple of weeks to compile some data and we're going to have more information for you. But You know, a lot of us don't want to wait that long. I I was reminded of the fact that um, the old adage, the market hates uncertainty, really holds up (laughs) because there's a lot of uncertainty in the market and
1: everybody hates it. You know, it's such a um, place we've come to after all these months. It almost feels like we could be back to square one, and that certainly is driving up that uncertainty. And I would say some fear factor as well in the markets. The market does hate uncertainty, and you can't get any more tantalizing than this. the The prospect that we could get over the finish line, finish out this year, um, basically in recovery mode, maybe cruising towards that three and a half percent. GDP growth that the World Bank forecast for the planet next year, and here we've we've got this last-minute <laughs> bump in the road, or um, I should say, last hurdle in front of us before we finish this year, which could turn into something more meaningful. That's a real recipe for stocks to lose their marbles, which they did just before uh, we. Came into the weekend after Thanksgiving, and again I see today uh, stocks are seesawing. And, and I should say here they're they're down. Uh, so I saw something like 500 points uh, on the Dow, but this is to be expected. There's no road to recovery after something like a global pandemic that's smooth and certain. I wonder though what will happen if we revert to a state. Where we have to go into lockdowns again. I know Europe is already exploring this. The flights from Africa, South South Africa, we read about that were shut down, are also of concern. So, um, yeah, Chris, I don't know what to say here except focus on the stocks. I, I feel like that mantra <laughs> always helps for investors, right? Find those great companies, hold them through volatile times. Uh, but it certainly is um, a new reckoning that that is in front of us for the next couple of weeks, anyway.
0: Well, you know, if you're looking for silver linings, we're we are not either as a country or as a planet where we were in the spring of 2020. You know, we have vaccines, um, we know a lot more collectively. So, um, in terms of the stocks, I I don't know. Like, I see a couple of people here and there who are saying, like, well, you know. Let's go back to the stay-at-home stocks, and I just sort of look at that, and I think, is that really the move here? Is that really the, you know, it's not to say that there aren't um, some great, long-standing businesses with potential to hold for the long term, but I, I, I don't know. I don't look at this as f- just as we're not in the same place we were in the spring of 2020 from a public health standpoint. I don't think we're in the same place we were from an investing standpoint either. I'm not expecting the same type of drop. And I'm not expecting there to be this obvious group of like, oh, well, all of a sudden we should, you know, people who were bearish
1: on Peloton should just completely change their thinking. I so much agree. This is a time for orderly thinking, and it's a time to evaluate information as we get it. But frenzied capital always has to have somewhere to go, right? So if there's some type of exogenous shock to the market, the frenzied capital has to quickly jump into the place where it thinks uh, it can make a buck before the next quarter ends. And that knee-jerk reaction turned out to be these work-from-home stocks. And I've I've noticed even during. Um, the trading sessions yesterday, today, uh, you can see the movement going in and out of these stocks as some of this data changes. Uh, Someone will opine that the uh, symptoms of the Omicron variant are milder and you can almost see this reflected in how stocks are moving, which is no way to invest. It's a, maybe a great way to trade, but as investors, we have to figure out, again, what is going to work for us over the long-term. Some of those work-from-home stocks are still great buys regardless of what happens in the near-term uh, with a virus variant, but no need to, to go rushing about trying to find a place to dump money. I think, as you were alluding to earlier, it's better just to. Wait to be patient as we get more data in and then make some some nice decisions, some crisp decisions.
0: Uh, let's move on to retail because the headlines, uh, both from Black Friday and from Cyber Monday, uh, included the word first uh, from the standpoint of, like, it's the, or at least in the case of Cyber Monday, it's the first time ever that we had a drop in spending on Cyber Monday. Um, Black Friday dipped ever so slightly from a year prior. As someone who watches the retail industry pretty closely as, and is invested in it, this is one big shrug of the shoulders for me. I just I look at this and I'm like, okay, I get why the headlines are being written that way, but does anyone
1: really think the retail industry is troubled as a result of that? Yeah, I have to agree with you here and uh, want to remind listeners, There was a time not so long ago uh, where if someone had said the phrase Cyber Monday, you might have thought, does that mean that uh, I'm going to rent the movie Blade Runner next Monday and watch that with some friends? Now, why would you be doing that on a Monday night as this this thinking comes out of my head? Uh, But here we are, we, we have to fixate on something. The Cyber Monday online sales drop Headline is 1.4 percent less than sales last year. Uh, both you and I read this morning that there's some explanation for this, and that consumers are spreading out uh, their spends from Black Friday to Cyber Monday, and indeed this whole week as retailers become more and more ingenious and spread out their own offers. So you know, part of this is is just not hanging your hat on one single day to to bring in the sales and realizing that there is a cadence and Um, a real rhythm to this whole cyber sales exercise. Now, we could also say that there there's little little warning signs here in the tea leaves and that inflation is up, so people are pulling back a little bit. Uncertainty, um, that's caused by new variants. (laughs) The uh, novel coronavirus uh, certainly can contribute a little bit to that, so we really won't know uh, the the upshot of these patterns of spends until this whole season is over, we have to get through actually the Christmas season as well to make an assessment. And and Chris, you know, I, I see a pattern beginning here is is the rush to make judgments, to take action, to move capital, to uh, make decisions, or or have instant analysis. And again, whether you're investing in the broader market or the retail sector, it just doesn't happen that quickly. Now, a great time to think about all this will be in January if you are an avid investor in companies that we talk about on the show like Best Buy or or Amazon. I think January will be the appropriate time to take stock and understand what this whole season has meant uh, for your favorite company's results and, and what that means going forward. I, I love the
0: reports we get in January from the major retailers, in part because it's one more way, uh, in a relatively short amount of time, for us to evaluate management. When you and now in the case of you know like Walmart and Target, you know we have experienced uh, CEOs who have been leading those companies for years. Um, so Doug McMillan, Brian Cornell, uh, I, I think if you're an investor and you're paying attention. Um, you have a very good sense of uh, two people who aren't going to say things they don't have a high degree of confidence of. Um, and But you know for, for other retailers, again, it's a great chance to be like, all right, let's go back to what they were saying in November and December in terms of what they were doing for seasonal hiring, what they were saying about their own supply chains. And in the case of Walmart and Target, with the most recent earnings, both Cornell and McMillan were saying, no, we're good. Our shelves are stocked. We're we're, we're good, and you know, n- not to say that they get a blank check forever, but um, it, it it will be surprising if, for some reason, we get to January and
1: those two in particular come up short in terms of what they got in the holidays. I agree. I mean, they represent probably uh, the peak of planning and strategy, and you know, we we look to them for cues on how the sector at large is evolving to understand what. An omni-channel strategy will look like in 2022. So there's so much to be gained from listening to those two CEOs. But you know, there again, you have the difference between trying to understand a few layers um, and the bigger picture versus trying to take a headline and run with it. But of course, the, the news sites have to sell the news, and it's a good headline for for the financial web. <laughs> Our email address is
0: marketfoolery at fool dot com. Got a question from Bill Nielsen who asks, is there a chance that Mark Zuckerberg would buy Roblox since it is one of the major players in the current level of Metaverse? Roblox already has a lot of members and continues to add, it would provide an early place to reach people who are already involved with the concept and bring them into his advanced level. there are a few places I want to go with this, but let's just start with the question as Bill laid it out there. Roblox is at the moment a $71 billion company. This would be a not insignificant acquisition if, and I have to remind myself that it's the name of the company is now Meta Platforms, uh, if Meta Platforms, formerly Facebook, were to Make an acquisition of Roblox, there's uh, a decent chance it's not going to be 71 billion. It's going to be closer to 100 billion. Um, but is that something that Meta
1: Platforms shareholders should be hoping for? It's an intriguing question from the listener. And I just want to make a quick comment here to your point, Chris, this would have to involve some combination of cash and stock, since Roblox already is so big. Of course, uh, Meta Platforms, aka Facebook, is near a trillion bucks in market capitalization, so they could certainly trade enough stock to make the deal happen. It is hard to figure out what is in Mark Zuckerberg's mind. He has invested in the hardware component of this space for many years. He is pouring tens of billions of dollars more into um, this investment, hiring thousands of engineers globally to push also into the non-hardware or software aspect of the space. Facebook has communicated that they don't want to create the metaverse and be the owner of a single space. I think they're just trying to allay fears that many of us have um, and also keep the uh, people who are always looking to break up big tech at bay by saying that. I think if eventually Facebook did have a dominant platform, which was the biggest expression of the metaverse, they would be quite happy with that. Uh, In some ways, Roblox represents already where Facebook wants to go. I remember Facebook had a few clumsy tweets after Mark Zuckerberg's big uh, Metaverse presentation, where they were adding different retailers. Like, What is your space going to look like in the Metaverse? Uh, funny, Roblox already has this. I mean, one of the biggest brands on the planet, Nike, is teaming up with Roblox. Roblox is essentially a gaming site that young kids who are typically between the ages of 6 and 16 go to play games and build worlds. But it also has this really amazing experiential aspect to it. so People can go and uh, basically create their avatars and have meetings in this space, attend concerts, do all kinds of fun things. So Roblox is already the expression, fun expression of the metaverse that Facebook, I think, would like to see itself creating. This is why the the, the listener's question is so intriguing. Why not just buy Roblox? We know that Meta platforms, when it was Facebook, was not averse to taking some big bets. Mark Zuckerberg uh, poured billions into Instagram and WhatsApp, and at the time, those Acquisitions looked really bold and outsized. They make a lot of sense now to the, the business model, so it wouldn't be unusual for Facebook to, to pour capital here. Um, I just question whether uh, Facebook really wants to, to swallow up a smaller competitor when it's got such a seemingly specific idea of, of what it wants to do, and it's already signaled this huge investment over the next several years. So um, I wish I could give a better answer. My gut feeling is that Meta Platforms just isn't interested in Roblox right now because it wants to create its own version of of the metaverse. But if I were an executive on that team, would would I look at that as a possibly really keen strategic acquisition? I would, but I'm not on their management team.
0: (laughs) Is Roblox attractive enough as a business even keeping in mind that it's a $71 billion company, is it attractive enough that someone could look to buy them? Or do you think by virtue of its size they are um, that it would be a very safe bet that they're not going to get acquired? Because I know there are a lot of people who really love that business, there are shareholders who love being shareholders. And look, sometimes when you're the shareholder and the company is a little smaller, Part of you is thinking, this is a great business. I hope it doesn't get acquired. I want it to run on its own. And I'm wondering if you know if Roblox shareholders can breathe easy, knowing that the bigger that company gets, the less likely it is that an Alphabet or a Microsoft comes in and says, "Here's a check with more zeros than you can possibly imagine, and we'll be taking the keys to the car."
1: If you're an investor you're hoping that the the few big companies that could pull off an acquisition of Roblox are looking in other directions. This is a company, however, that at least is going to attract some attention by potential buyers who want to extend their footprint in the metaverse space. And We should say that companies like Microsoft themselves are already creating their own expressions of the metaverse, which are now a little business-to-business centric. Uh, same could be said for N- Nvidia, the chip maker, but here you have a consumer expression. The metrics are are very interesting. Chris, Act, average daily active users in quarter three for Roblox were forty-seven million people. They had an amazing number of uh, hours of engagement, eleven point two billion hours of engagement on this platform, which increased almost thirty percent year over year in the third quarter. So, the numbers are there. I mean, this platform is uh, widespread. It's ubiquitous. It's got a bigger and more engaged user base than many people realize who haven't looked at the, the business since it came public. So, there is something here for a savvy investor that believes they can take a free cash flow positive company with really wonderful customer metrics that is drawing. Attracting interest to the metaverse space and then take it to the next level. Uh, but I, I see your point, though, for Roblox shareholders. You sort of hope that no one's paying attention.
0: Uh, reminder that tomorrow, December 1st, is when uh, Meta Platforms changes its ticker symbol. So if, if you're a shareholder, today's the last day you're going to see the letters FB in your portfolio. Tomorrow, December 1st, it becomes MVRS so don't freak out when that happens. Asa Sharma, great talking to you. Thanks for being here. Thanks so much, Chris. A pleasure always. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.